Yeah, episode number 52. It's our one-year episode, and we have the one and only Kendall Hines. I've known Kendall for a few years, but the last time we were together, I think uh, we just talked about we were in Pest World in Boston. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, seems like just yesterday we were down there in Boston. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. And this year, uh, we're missing the Pest World in Hawaii. What are we doing? You know, it's crazy. I'm not sure. We've ta- we talked about it for like the last six months, maybe eight months about going. And it just we had other obligations this time of the year, so we just couldn't go. Um, it would have been fun, but I felt like mo- if I'm in Hawaii, the last thing I want to do is go hang out at a conference for a few days. So I thought about that side of it too. And it's like, well, just take your family with. And we thought about that, but it's like, we're there on vacation. Like I want to spend the time with my family and just hang out, you know? So here we are doing a podcast instead. But Kendall's actually, you know, not in my hometown, but in my home state. He's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Am I right? Yep. Uh, from the Mitten. Yeah, you're from the Mitten. Where are you? We call you trolls below <laughs> the bridge. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's actually the, the CEO of Clicky, founder of Clicky. I'll let him tell you the story, but he's got a long uh, past uh, history of being in the industry. He's done a lot of cool things. I thought for the year episode or the year anniversary, it would be a great to have him on. Uh, one of my good friends. Again, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be on. I mean, I've been seeing the growth of you on TikTok, and you guys really just making a a, a claim that said, "Hey, we're going to own this." And from what I've seen, I think you posted yesterday or today, maybe I saw in stories this just morning. some crazy yeah. stats. Right? It's yeah, it's, it's been cool to watch. So, so. yeah, we've been averaging four to five thousand, sometimes higher months, but on average, uh, new subs. Uh, um, a month on YouTube, which has been pretty cool. I think we're at like 24,000 subs, which we just started that this year. So it's going fast. Pretty cool. TikTok, we're like at 52,000 followers, which has been fun. You know, it's just uh, awesome. it's another game that we're trying to play, trying to own the market, like you said. Um, just, I feel like we got lucky. Um, I think we just started at the right time. Like no one was not not a lot of pest control companies were doing it right on TikTok, so we just happened to show up there and had a good time. But the first time that someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, you're the you're the TikTok guy," and I was like, "What?" Like, "Yeah, you're the TikTok guy, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." It was actually a year ago today when we were in Boston. I had three random guys walk up to me saying that. I was like, "That was so weird." And then I called Dalton. I'm like, Dalton, you can never believe this. They're like, "Hey," I just had guys, three guys walk up to me and said, "Hey, you're the TikTok guy." And I was like, "I." That's kind of cool. Now we hear quite frequently. Like, we'll be literally walking down the street in, like, Appleton or Eau Claire, where we don't know people, like Eau Claire mostly. And we had kids chasing us down the street saying, hey, you guys are the TikTok. You're the YouTube guys. It's really weird. Wow. That's crazy. Full circle. Uh, but that just shows you the world we're in today. We're in a digital, digital world, and we're not going back. You know, we're not going backwards. We're only going more digital and hands off so yeah for sure so yeah it's been about a year since we've been together so it's a good time to have you on you have a really cool story of how you got into industry and then what you've done and created a bunch of cool things in between and then what you're doing to now so why don't you just tell the listeners quick like, how you got into industry what, what what service levels you guys provided uh you were part of a franchise at 1.2 yeah totally so i have a really interesting uh background and in story um i grew up in a family business uh 
And my, my parents actually bought the company. Um, it was a franchise, Lawn Doctor, uh, Big Green Thumb on the side of the vans. They're, you know, national here in the United States. And they bought the, uh, the business and kind of just ran it as a, a part-time job. So they had full-time jobs. My dad actually had three jobs at one point to, um, to make this business successful. And they just kind of ran it as a part-time deal for about, you know, 13, 14 years. And uh, the business just needed sales. Like they were great at the agronomics. They like were great at the pest control stuff of actually delivering the service. But one thing they just didn't understand and know how to do is grow a business and get sales and get attention. And um, that's where I came in. So I came in, I was like 20, 20 years old, 21 years old and just committed myself to being great at sales. So that's when I stumbled across Grant Cardone's content um, at the time. And uh, we just, we just, to your point, committed to being the most known lawn care company in West Michigan. And what that led to was we grew from zero to 2000 customers in six seasons, no outside capital, no money, just a lot of sweat effort, knocking on doors, telemarketing, cold calling, home shows, like literally freaking everything that you need to do to get attention in the marketplace. Um, so we grew that business to 2000 clients. Um, and I learned a lot about sales and how to get in front of somebody, get their attention and then ultimately like ask for the credit card, right? Visa, MasterCard, which one we put it on today, which is like the best part is kind of like high frequency, like, um, sales process. So I learned a lot in that, that process. But what I discovered was, um, we were generating so many leads that uh, we were losing people just because we couldn't get them a quote fast enough. And I looked at it and I said, hey, why can't people buy lawn care like they buy online? I buy all my shit on Amazon. Why is it different in our industry? So that, that led me to creating another software, my first software company called LawnBot at the time, which is basically like Shopify for home services. Um, we created that company in 2019. And... Uh, it's very common today. There's lots of companies in the space. Uh, my buddy Joel at Deep Lawn, Attentive AI. Um, you know, we were we built that company long before those companies like popped up. So uh, we built the first version for my own business. It was called Lawn Doctor Instant Quote at the time, and turns out all my buddies wanted to use it too. And I was like, whoa, there's like a really big opportunity here, and uh, so I made a really conscious decision. Um, we sold the lawn doctor business to my brother. He's running that today. That business today is doing a million and a half in revenue. Um, and they service, you know, West Michigan, uh, the lawn doctor business. And then I went all in on lawn bot. So like literally, um, all in, you know, my wife's pregnant and I was like, this needs to exist. Nobody else is building it. I'm going to be the dude to build it. And, um, that kicked off my love for building software. And I think I was really meant to do it like my whole life. It just kind of took me 10 years to like, figure out I belong in startup land and building startups. Um, so yeah, we built LawnBot, grew extremely fast. We got to 50,000 a month and recurring revenue in like 19 months, which led to an early acquisition, uh, by real green systems. And then six months later, uh, a company called WorkWave came in and bought Real Green, and then I had worked for that company for two years uh, through the earnout period. So, 
I have a really interesting career today in the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, from, I never thought I'd be working at a company that had 1300 employees. You know, I don't work there anymore. I left in, I guess, May of this year, but going from running a lawn care company to building a lawn care software to selling it to actually working for a large, uh, I guess, roll up PE play. Um, I learned a lot through that process and working with companies of all sizes. I mean, some of our customers at LawnBot are some of the biggest in the country. You know, they're, they're owned by companies like Morgan Stanley. So when you talk about companies that big, working with brands that big and just seeing what you need to do at different levels of scale is really, really fascinating. So it's kind of a long winded answer, but started in lawn care, built, a, uh, built that business, sold it, started a lawn care software called LawnBot, sold that, and now we are where we are today with Clicky. And uh, I think it's just like a culmination of my time in the industry and and just see, hey, how can I be useful to the world? And I think Clicky is, is that next iteration of that, and um, we're really pumped about it. Yeah, it's cool. I, so I have wrote down a few questions, actually, regarding um, the Lawn Doctor part. So... When you first launched the software, right, and it was like the Lawn Doctor Instant Quote, when you wanted to take that, um, like to other people, do they have a problem with that? Like, because you because you named it like Lawn Doctor Instant Quote, but it was your it was your AI tool, right? Like, were they okay with you taking it to the market and bringing it to other people, or did you have to kind of fight them a little bit on that? Yeah, there was, you know, honestly, we didn't really hear from them much at all uh, as a franchisee or when we built Lawn Doctor Instant Quote. So, I don't know. I, I really haven't heard from them much at all. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't really have any friction around that. Um, you know, we ended up spinning it up into its own corporation. Uh, ultimately, it was called ServiceBot Inc. And now, funny enough, <laughs> LawnBot is now called ServiceBot. That's what WorkWave sells That's it crazy. as, and they sell it into H HVAC and pest control. So yeah. it's now integrated into like um, their product is called Pest Pack, and their other one's called yeah. ServeMan. So it's in HVAC and pest and lawn now, which was always our bigger vision. But we made the really conscious decision when we sold. Like it is a very long road if we're going to take that path and try to. Because now, now you're talking, you got to go get, get you got to go win relationships with Service Titan. And, uh, which is all their portfolio companies now. And it's like, they basically own the keys to the customer base. And we didn't, we don't want to have people that don't know these, like if you have an integration relationship, like there's a rev share associated with that kind of like the Apple tax, right? If you buy something on Apple, you're paying a 30% VIG to, to Apple. Same thing for this. Like if we go have to go integrate in every CRM, we're paying a 30% at least like highway fee to, to have mutual customers with them. So that's why we sold. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, we didn't really hear from Lawn Doctor much. That was actually surprising. I figured like the Lawn Bot would be all over that too for the rest of their franchises. I guess not. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, me too. It's, it's, uh, there's just different levels of risk to with in with innovating sure. anything. There's different levels of risk risk tolerance. That's a 
they've been around 50 years. They've built a great business. Clearly they have a lot of great franchisees and service a lot of, a lot of customers. Right. Um, but my mind has just always been close to innovation, whether it's, I had a show like this called Lawn Doctor Live back in the day. I was creating this instant quoting tool for my own business, whether it's clicky, right? It's like, I'm always looking for the next, how can we do this better? What's the next way to do it? And, th and sometimes that's kind of a clash in a franchise system. So it just doesn't, I, I don't think I was, I personally was meant to be in that sort of system because that's just not how my brain works. I'm like, what can we break today to find that lift in innovation? Um, and that just doesn't line up. But yeah, you know, it's... Uh, I love that you said that. Just break it. That's what we're always trying to do too, is like build this thing until it breaks. Like we're not going to know if it works to 100 million or 20 million until we break this thing. So that's our goal is to run as hard as we can until it breaks and then fix it. Um, 100%. Did, did yeah. you have a software background at all? Or was it like, how did you get into the software world? Like, how did you figure this out? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I've always been sort of a hacker. I've always been sort of technical and just finding ways to get things done. Um, and the rise of no-code tools have opened up a whole new opportunity um, to people, especially like me. So the first version of LawnBot, it was all no-code. Meaning, um, I didn't know I didn't need a developer to go create this user experience. I just built it all myself using a bunch of apps. So we used like Zapier and Google Sheets and another uh, app called Landbot at the time, and we connected all these tools together to go build the we call it a, in software land like a minimum viable product. Um, so we built that, and then we tested it. Like we got it in front of users, which in that time were homeowners, and. Uh, the big question was like, will people put their credit card in and become a customer? And then they did like, they put their credit card in and bought shit online, like lawn care services. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is gonna be fucking huge. And, um, every 10 years from now, every company is going to have online ordering. Agreed. Um, so, you know, I think, I think what, what we were really great at with LawnBot was identifying the market opportunity, just being like, like stubborn and persistent as hell we might have not i definitely i'm technical more today than i was when i built LawnBot. but like at the time i built the mvp and then i started selling it so i was at like gie and all these shows selling it before i even have a i even had the real product and then i had signed contracts like twenty five thousand in signed contracts and mrr of people that said if you build it like i'll buy it so then I went, that, that's what led me to go find my CTO, Eric Alberg, who we have today. Um, he's the one that built what we ended up selling to Real Green. But yeah, just a, a tremendous amount of persistence and just being super curious and keep like walking through that door and not being attached with the idea of like, oh, I, I don't know how to code. Like why today, literally, especially with AI, this is now imagine somebody like me get my hands on AI, like anything's fucking possible. Um, so yeah, I don't have a technical background per se, but I've always That's been, so had, awesome. I've always had like this hacker like men mentality of like, how do you get shit done no matter what and figuring it out. So, so on the, it out. on the, 
on the app side, like when it went live and you have people buying customers, like customers actually buying online your services, right? Um, how did you handle like a lot of like the tire kickers? Like they're just coming to give you, I hear this all the time, that are just trying to get your pricing or maybe it's a competitor trying to get your pricing or they don't leave the inform- enough information for you to reach out to them. Like how do you combat that? Yeah, I think, I think as just an industry or moving to more we had that question all the time on demos. They're like, well, what if my competitor is going to get my pricing? I'm like, the, bro, they're doing that anyway. I hear it every day. Absolutely. We're doing market research quarterly yeah, all the time. Yeah. Like, where are people pricing at? So it's like not a big mystery. And I think we both know, like, price is a factor, especially like in recessions and stuff. But like, it's not the only buying reason why people actually buy something. Like, I feel like it's the last reason people buy of price. Especially in this industry, you're selling people with disposable incomes. Like, they just want to cross it off their list. Like, make it easier for them to do that. And if it's 10 bucks more a month, you think I really know? I don't know. My, just throwing it on the Amex. Like, I don't really get It's a $600 decision. Like, I make $600 an hour. So, why would I sit there and belabor over freaking. Some people do, though. <laughs> you do have the tire kickers. <laughs> But then you got to be a trained salesperson to get them on the phone and be like, bro, how much money do you make in a year? Like, like come on. Sure. Like, price, what are you waiting for? cost analysis, exactly. Right. Like, are we going to do this or not? And, yeah, and at, the, at some point, super smart. we both know it, it's a volume play too. So like, and, and you, I know that you have online ordering for your company and I'm sure we can agree that not all of your sales come through online ordering. Probably not even a majority today. But... I think over time we will see a majority go be like be an unassisted sale. But I think the online tool is there to assist your sales team. So at the end of the day, maybe 20 or 20% of your sales come through online ordering. You still have all that com- contact information forever. And you can still have a trained salesperson call them on the phone, text them, whatever, and close them the old fashioned way. Hey, I just saw you got an online quote. You didn't buy. Like, do you not like our robot? Like, why why didn't you purchase? Um, and you just probe the objection. Maybe you already got their objection during the online ordering process, hopefully. Like, with our system, it would actually ask them for their objection. Like, did you not like the price, the product, the people? Um, so, yeah, I think there's still, like, in this, war- this tech driven world, there's still, like, a lot of opportunity for humans. Um, human tech assisted sales processes um, it, so that the people that want to buy online they can the people that want to talk to somebody they can and eventually you know the, the older folks that like want to talk to somebody they won't be here <laughs> and like that's like no offense but it's like if they're 80 years old 20 years from now I'm going to be 42 like they're not going to be here unless there's some breakthrough in medical uh, technology so my mind is like always build to where the puck is going, not like where we've been. Because if you look at all the industry le- leaders today, like in our market, AAA lawn care, they've been around for 40 years. Why do you think they were named AAA? Because back in the day, they showed up first in the fucking yellow book. That's why. Yellow or pages, AAA yep. pest control yep. or ABC pest control, yep. right? They, A plus. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that I'm always concerned with is like, they're the biggest in our market. Why didn't they go? Why didn't they go bigger? Like they've got twenty trucks. Why didn't they try to go like regional or like semi-regional? I'm just like always concerned with that, and I'm like, 
I, I had never built, and I probably, I couldn't answer that. I've never built a business that big, so I guess I couldn't say. But even at Lawn Doctor, when I was there, my goal was always to build the largest Lawn Doctor business in Michigan and maybe eventually the nation. So it's hard for me to like really wrap my head around like why you would think small and go small. Um, not small, because clearly they're doing well. I mean, you had 20 trucks, you're doing $8 million in revenue. They're probably netting $3 million plus, like... A year, yeah. You can live really like a fucking king on three million in West Michigan. Uh, the cost of living here is compared to like Miami and stuff. It's like way lower. So, but yeah, and I agree with you. Like, and that's why I asked the question because I already knew the answer. But I get asked that all the time. Like, well, our close rate went down because we added this tool. Okay, but your your leads also went up by two hundred percent because people don't want to talk to people. Like who, you're, you're going to have those people who are just tire kicking anyway. It doesn't matter. But like if you build up the process, like, like you're supposed to make sure they put in all their information first, give you their email, their phone number before they can actually get the quote. Then they get the quote. If they don't go through the, the shopping cart and check out big deal, take your sales team, right? Have them start calling. It's not hard, but how, but to make it easier on the customer as well, right? Like you said, a lot of people don't like to talk to people these days, whether it's text or whatever, they just jump on their phone they go, it's super simple. You show up, they go to your online ordering. They measure up their own lawn or AI does it for you now or their house to get pest control. And they just go check out and they get put on the schedule. It's so easy. It's If you're not doing it, tell listeners, you guys need to go do it. Yeah, and we're, we're not going backwards. That's the important thing to know. Um, we're not going into like a less tech driven economy, like especially with the advent of like the AI tools that are out now, more people using it. You'd be surprised at how much I hear like normal folks like, yeah, I use AI every day. I'm like, you are somebody I never thought, you know? So it's like this, this weird uh, convergence of technology. And like, you know, they say the buyers of these services are actually changing over time. So it's like the more you can familiarize yourself with it, I, I don't see a bad thing. What, what, how we, how we viewed it was, it was just another opportunity to make more sales. You know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's like we had that all the time where people would try to benchmark like an online ordering close rate versus like an over the phone close rate. Of course, a human on the phone is always going to close more, right? Especially a trained salesperson. But you can't benchmark a totally unassisted sale versus an assisted sale. Because as we know, there's a, typically a commission cost to actually making that assisted sale. There's a time cost. So there's, there's a true cost per sale associated with that with each sale. And each one that we can make online unassisted is going to lead to a lower cost per sale versus a human one. So look at Tesla, for example, like the way that they sell, like the only way like I just bought a Tesla, we just bought another one actually, we're, so we're having X and we're having a Y going all in on Tesla. And it's like the best ordering experience in the world. And like we sold a Toyota back to the dealership recently. And it was like, even selling it back to them, it was the most painful thing in the world. I was there for like three hours. It was it was a mess, and they like they play this whole game, and it's like just it's just the old way of doing it. So I think the future will, will look like it's gonna be hard for Ford and everybody else to do this, but like I think everybody 
we'll have sales processes similar to Tesla is buy it through an app, do all your financing through the app. And that's going to be hard for the dealership world to like wrap their head around. And I don't know what they do at the dealerships, but like Tesla's buying experience is just so much better um, than anything else out there. So you finance the app, you buy the car through the app, finance through the app, and then how do you get your vehicle delivered? Do they just show up to your house one day or do you have to go pick it up? How does that work? Uh, so like they have a service center here, so the car gets delivered and your car, uh, they have a thing called a phone key. So you don't have any keys, it's just all on your phone. So the car unlocks as you walk up to it and locks automatically when you walk away. And um, so you already have your key to the car and you get to there to the service center and you actually have to like sign a piece of paper. But then after that, your car's ready to go, you get in and drive away. So like that's the experience and it's all digital. You know, I, I did have an advisor through the process where they like text you and stuff, but it was more just to kind of update you around especially to them they like build the cars it's like larry it comes off the line and gets delivered like the next month so how long um, did it take you to from order to delivery in that case they quoted like two months but then they had one show up in illinois so we actually got it early so it was like a month or so from us making the decision to actually getting the car and like literally it's such a joy to drive and i own a ram 1500 it's like a 2021 like after we drove the tesla and just all of the little things that you don't think about um is and this is like helpful with building a product all the little things that you don't think about that do make an impact actually make an impact um like that meant like the phone key thing i mentioned walking in and walk like I don't have to think I'm ADD. I don't even remember where my keys are today. I always have to like go find my Ram keys everywhere. I'm like, I'm like, I always have my phone though. So it's like just this little idea of like the car unlocking when you walk up to it and like when you walk away and just, there's just tons of little things about Tesla that inspire me as we built clicky now. Um, and any product, Marshall Lash with my wife's business, you know, we, we really adopt like the way that Elon builds product around deleting and deleting, deleting. He says that if you're not, de you're not deleting enough in your product, if you're not having to add stuff back in. So you're like, you're not simplifying your product and you're offering enough. If you're not having to add stuff back in. So like, we've always like, that is just how we build product and think about things now. It's like, what can we delete from the process to make it more streamlined and easy? And yeah, so I'm pretty inspired by what they've what they've done and built. Obviously, it's and their full self driving is just like amazing. Like people want to talk shit about it, but it's like the best. So type in your address. Full self driving beta kicks in, and it's pretty good on city streets. It's like lights out on the highway, and you're just chilling. The car is driving itself. So imagine where we're going to be ten years from now when a Tesla like you won't own a car. You'll order a Tesla Uber, basically. It'll be like a Tesla taxi. We'll come to your house and take you anywhere you want to go. You won't have to own a car. It'll be great. You'll just have a, a chauffeur driving you around. Yeah, that's super cool. So what, like when you went, like when, um, when Lawnbot, you decided to sell it, like what was the reason behind it? Were people approaching you? Did you bring it to, did you bring it to someone else for them to look at or how did that work? 
Yeah, I mean, when we were growing LawnBot, we were growing it so fast, we knew that we eventually, we were building something pretty valuable. Um, and 80% of our customer base was users of RealGrid. So we had a really close relationship with their CEO and their biz dev team um, as we were growing that business. And we, were, we just got done with an accelerator through Michigan State. Uh, it's called Conquer Accelerator. Yeah, you tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were getting ready to raise a, like a financing round of like taking investment, really scaling this thing out, doing service bot, taking every vertical and, you know, really making a play at this thing. And timing was good. Uh, we didn't expect, like we weren't trying to sell the business. So we were looking at getting an investment and the CEO at the time was like, well, it doesn't make sense for us to like invest in you. We can just buy you. And you can work for us and like you'll be your own division within this company and you can like still innovate and do your thing and so you're like okay well like what does that look like and so they present an loi and you know looked pretty good we were like yeah you know it's not not good enough for us to like pull the trig and so they came back with a better offer and uh you know we really took a like long, hard look at, we have 19 months into this thing. We're at 50,000 a month in revenue. There's a lot of risk on the table. Turns out we were totally right on that. So now you have companies like Deep Lawn, Tenet AI popping up. They're not going to be the last ones, by the way, uh, especially with AI, this kind of idea. Eventually, like you'll be able to ask chat GPT some, like an address's lawn size and you'll get it back. Like it's just going to be a commodity, right? So, you have these competition pressures and we just made the decision that um, like getting liquidity would be good and then we can kind of do whatever we want from here. And yeah, uh, it was like December of 2020 is when the deal closed. So it was right before, like right at peak valuations on SaaS companies. So we got, you know, it was like 10x and it was like 10x annual recurring revenues, kind of the valuation that we got. And um, yeah, it was it was life-changing for me and my my family. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Congratulations. But what's crazy is, is they got a hell of a deal as well because if you go back and look at our Stripe account of subscriptions, it was like going, 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 acquisition hits. It like goes to the freaking moon. Like they double or tripled the company since they've owned it. And if you know anything about software valuations, that 10x valuation I just told you about, like they may have paid us, but they're getting 10x on the conglomerate of all their revenue bundled together, or even more potentially with payment processing revenue factored in there. Those are valued at much higher rates. So very good pickup for them. Got to commend Bill, the CEO, you know, for making the deal and like it changed our life, changed my life. It, you know, we bought a house and it just, what it did, it allowed us personally, me to like literally pick any problem. Like I can work on any problem in the world. I don't need to work for like, I can't go live on an Island, but like I can go and pick the next thing I want to do. And that, that, that can't be said for most people. Like most people are like, like I left, I left Workway, for example. Like I had a fat salary, bunch of stock options, and I walked away from that to go and do something I believe in. 
and yeah you um, were telling me at uh past world like we had going on we we chatted for a half hour 40 minutes we just you know what you had going on saying they're working there but you're coming out with this new product called clicky i was like this is gonna be super awesome like i can't wait to see it and then here we are a year later and it's live you're selling it. it it everyone that i've heard that is using it loves it it's pretty cool so why don't you since you're brought it up why don't we talk about clicky for a while and tell us what all the functionality that it does why you did it to begin with like why you started it the the core idea behind clicky was we were building my wife's business called masha lash which is like a tech enabled lash and brow studio and very tesla inspired with what we did it's completely front deskless so like guest check-in on an ipad completely like just modern uh we don't take cash it's all on card so card on file so like literally you don't have to bring your per uh we have two right now and uh we probably do about 1500 appointments a month between both locations um so and we have a membership it's called lash pass so we have subscribers on that so we just innovated in a space where there was no innovation this tech enabled lash and brow studio in doing that we were like spending five grand a month on google ads we were like my this is just the way my brain works is just always looking for like questioning things like why is it the only move for any business lawn pest beauty the only play is to go buy facebook ads and go run TikTok ads in instagram and facebook and google and now you're competing with everybody else that's just like the common thing to do and i'm like what's the uncommon thing or like why is it just a why is it a just given truth that if you own a local business you need to hand over money to google and i'm like what if we just paid that money to our customers? What would happen? Like, why am I sending it off to Silicon Valley in fucking Zuck, right? I think they have enough money. So I said, it, the first version of Clicky was just like, we're going to give all of our customers links and we'll pay you a dollar for every click. And lo and behold, people posted their links and it generated bookings for, for Masha Lash and they cashed out via Venmo. And it was super modern. And um, so that was like the smallest idea of Clicky. It, it validated the idea that people would actually, they would take their referral link, go out to Facebook and share about the business. And we paid them a dollar a click. And in our business, we paid Google three or $4 a click. I don't know what pest businesses today pay, but it's gotta be around that. So I said, I'll pay my, my customers a dollar a click all day, especially if it's in, my service area. So on Clicky, you're able to set a geo, it's called geo bounty. So you actually set where you want to pay for clicks and referrals in. So our whole thought with Clicky is let's move some of that money you're paying, just handing over to Google on a platter and give it to your customers. So it opened up this idea of, we started realizing really quickly that, okay, well, we have all these links out in the world. What do people actually see when they click on these links? We were just sending them to the, our booking page. Well, now on Clicky, we've, we own that whole process flow. So from the link creation to the campaign creation to the budget to the geo bounty to the landing pages. Um, so each brand is actually able to design their landing pages of what people see when they click on these. So I like to call us like the MailChimp for referrals um, because... 
like that's who is buying clicky today we have karate dojos pest control businesses lawn care businesses power washing companies roofing solar uh pizza shops like literally any small business you can think of would be a customer of clicky because they all have happy customers and each small business has a unique story to tell you know the way that turf badger talks to the market is very different than the way Marshall Ash talks to the market. And you need to be able to tell your story much differently than we do at Marshall Ash. So we're building all those tools to allow businesses um, to run these referral programs. And, you know, typical word of mouth and referral is one-to-one. On Clicky, it's one to infinity, right? Because you're take they're taking their link. Think of refer.turfbadger.com forward slash whatever that promoter's unique slug is, and they're taking that link out to Facebook. And now you're leveraging all of their digital networks to actually grow your business. Um, so that is like it 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 that idea exists already in the world. We're just bringing it to local businesses. Um, Tesla has this referral program, Capital One, MX, Chase. I'm sure you see it in your inbox all the time. Here's your unique referral link. Share it out now. The thing is, is most local businesses don't have 100K to go pay a developer to go build all that shit and like make it beautiful and work and like integrate with the tools you already use. So we're building that whole platform and in doing so, we're creating a network. That's, this is like the big vision of Clicky. So... Eventually, we see a world where Turf Badger can cross-promote with a beauty brand, and you guys can cross-promote each other to each other's companies in a really beautiful way. We don't have that today, but like we think that's where the future lies, is cutting out – this is like the really big vision of it – is like cutting out Google and Facebook for good. And if we can return that power to local businesses to own the network, which is eyeballs and attention – and, and we can help facilitate that. I think that would be a really worthy and like noble cause. Um, so yeah, that's kind of clicky. My, as you can see, like my whiteboard behind me, there's just lots of fucking moving parts. And like, but really, it's just allowing businesses like Turf Badger to launch these referral programs and run them and scale them and um, innovate too. So it's super modern. Uh, all your customers get referral links. They share their links and they can earn per click. They can earn per referral. And then when they do well on the platform, each brand has a promoter app. It's a web app. It lives on the browser. They can also save it to their home screen, which allows us to send push notifications. It's phenomenal. It's like the last frontier, right? Think of like Starbucks rewards where they're pinging you like 2x rewards for the month of October. Um, so push notifications right to their phone. And then once people do have success, it's one-click cash out to however they want their money, which is kind of disruptive to think about. In our industry, typically they do account credits. But the problem with that is account credits are super messy. They're hard to like provision. And the, the worst part is, is somebody has to think about it. If it's completely liquid, then your brand doesn't have to think about it. Like We facilitate all of that for you. So there's just a lot to it. Like These programs are just inherently complex, and we're just looking at it just like Tesla. We're going to delete the buttons. Like, there's no buttons. There's only one screen in the car. Like, we're just removing all the friction. And, like, so far, that's led to more participation and more results for businesses. So, cool. Um, so, from start to finish, from like, say, 
Say I give you a call. How long does it get? How long does it take to get set up on Clicky? Well, today I'm glad you asked that question. Today we're early access, so like I have to build each one. So right now we're building the machine to build the machines. So we're going to be launching um, our AI builder here in the next month, month and a half, to where any brand can go in there. You type in your website. We scrape your website, pull in your logo, your brand colors, and literally build all your shit for you in two minutes. Hand it over to you. You add yourself as your first promoter so you can see it from a customer's perspective. And then you put your credit card in and launch. Like that is how we scale to 100,000 local businesses. I, I realized that really quickly. So I was like, we need to build the thing to build the things. So that's what we're working on now. Uh, but today it takes a couple days because I have to like build it and connect it to your domain. Uh, it's fully white labeled. So you add a few DNS records to your domain. Um, you know, your GoDaddy, your Google, your Squarespace, whatever. So we don't even, we don't even have to touch your website. But that, what that does is allows your it to be fully white labeled. So your customers don't see Clicky. They just see your brand, your logos. Um, all of your your referral links will actually be your domain. They don't see Clicky. So refer.turfbadger, refer.mashalash. Um, so soon you'll be able to get started for free, check it out, take it for a spin, and if you like what you see, put your credit card in and sign up and pay. But today you have to like, you know, do a demo with me and go through that. But we don't do contracts. There's no setup fee. And, um, we want to be really, we want it to be really, like thoughtless for people that want to add this to their business. So, that's kind of how we think about and it. Now, do you guys? Is it a monthly charge? Is it like per click charge? How does that work on that end? Yeah, so there's a monthly subscription. Uh, starts at ninety nine bucks a month, which gets you most, which gets you most of the functionality. If you want the CRM integration, the Zapier stuff, which would it's more for high frequency businesses that might, they might sell in high frequencies, right? You like think of um, a large pest control that's private equity backed or something like they've got 20,000 customers. They can't be like individually like sending these invitations to these customers. So they like, we automate all that for them with the API and Zapier uh, that, that starts at 199, but still like super reasonable. And then, um, plus whatever you spend. So like the cool part about Clicky today is um, the brand doesn't actually pay until the promoter cashes out. So it's all just imaginary money until they actually press the cash out button, which is kind of cool. Some of the data that we've seen is 40% um, of people actually carry a balance. So you think about leveraging that with pay-per-click or Facebook ads, you're paying for that as you go up front. With Clicky, you're, you're, you're paying for that 60% of it, because 60% people cash out, but 40% don't. So just think of that. There's some leverage there between, or some float, as some people like to call it. Um, so that's how we think about it. And we do charge a, uh, obviously, like, so when somebody racks up 100 bucks in their account, let's say their Turf Badger account, and they tap cash out, um, we're charging your credit card on file to make uh, in real time to make sure there's funds there to actually seamlessly Venmo your customer. So it, from your customer's perspective, they tap a button and they get a Venmo five minutes later. So, you know, the, it is like very complex on the back end to actually pull off that in real time and like make sure there's money there. 
but there is a small per, uh, like processing charge because like we get charged a processing fee when we hit your credit card. But our goal is to get that like to near zero, maybe through ACH or even actually allowing brands to pre-fund their account um, via ACH, so we can get that processing fee as low as possible. Um, but we're always like you know super smart. We yeah, we want this to scale, so we want to help every local business. It's it's like a just a really big mission, you know, like, cause like owning a local, like owning one myself, but then also like with lawn doctor and the other businesses, what I, what I find really awesome when I hop on demos with people is like learning their story about why they started their business and like what they want to do with it and why they picked their company name. And like, if they sold their company, like what they would do with the money. And these aren't like, go launch a PE fund or a hedge fund or something. It's like, you know, make sure my kids never have to like worry about things, you know? And that's like a, like you imagine if, if small businesses went away and local businesses went away, like what are we left with? We're left with like corporate conglomerates. Like there's no fun in that in our communities. So it's like we're helping these small businesses and these local businesses win is a really kind of cool mission to me. And, and like, we don't have the full mission figured out today, but like what I do know is that most businesses have referral programs. Nobody has a referral system. And when you look at like um, a lot of our customers use like field routes is one of them. There's no functionality in there today around making customer led marketing really, really easy. And we're building all right. that functionality, which is why we'll be at the field routes co conference, uh, in Las Vegas coming up. I don't know the exact date because we're going like from show to show, but we're also going to be at the service autopilot users conference coming up. Um, if you want to CRM and you want to say your user conference, hit us up. We love going to these trade shows and just getting in front of customers. And hopefully by then we'll have our self serve. Well, you know, where anybody will be able to just sign up, you enter your website and we'll build your program for you with AI and, so for so for pest routes because that's what we use. Like, do you have to get the API keys? Is that why you have Zapier and do the webhooks to link them all together? Yeah, the cool thing about uh, just there specifically is they actually a lot depending on your level plan they allow you to set up trigger rules. Uh, I'm sure you might use them for SMS or email now, but you can also trigger webhooks within field routes, and that's the predominant way that we integrate. Uh, is through trigger rules and those take literally two minutes to set up. We give you a webhook to add and that's how we uh, lock into your data feed um, is one way. Yeah. Cause we had to do the same thing with a different software. We had to, we had to get the webhooks to link with, again, you said like the marketing functionality isn't great out of pest routes. Uh, so we had to link a different marketing tool that we can use that works really good to the webhooks and big, big whole ordeal, but uh, it was definitely worth the long run, kind of like this, you know, same yeah, thing. Yeah, and we're, so we're talking to their team right now, you know, about maybe getting something more formal in place um, as we can, like, I think we're going to do tr phenomenal at this show just because there's so many companies that, of our early users that use field routes. Um, I think we're going to do really well at this show, uh, but... So like we're, they're very interested in working with us. Um, a lot of the CRMs are out there, all the big ones. Um, they all want, they all want to work with us, which is fun. But I was just saying, we're not building this one to sell it right away. 
like, like unless actually, I mean, if it's a big number, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta take everything that you gotta consider everything that comes to you. But like, the thought in our mind today is like to not sell this for a quick exit. Like, I want, I want to build a vehicle to like help local and small businesses. Period. Um, and have full control over what that looks like. And sometimes when you sell a business, you don't have full control over the budget, the PL, and the future for your company. And like I, it goes back to that, I can work on any problem. I think this is a very big opportunity. Uh, it's a global opportunity. We've had customers from Australia and Canada reach out. They want to use Clicky. So I don't know how big. I think in my minds of minds, I think this is a hundred million dollar revenue opportunity and if you apply a multiplier on that of old SaaS in zerp days maybe you're talking 10x it's a billion dollar company plus you know who knows so that's like what keeps me jacked is like figuring that out so the people who have said let's just take your best case scenario like as far as results go, they launch a clicky. What have you seen that has done for a local business like yourselves? Yeah. So, um, a company called polite pest control there in, uh, Arizona. Uh, they launched with us in March about when we rolled out the referral component. Um, I think last time I checked, it was over 150 referrals year to date. Um, half of those have converted into paying customers. So when you look at it on a cost per lead basis, they're generating leads for like $7.50 a lead. Um, just the way their budget works out, they pay, I think, $0.25 cents a click and I think 25 for referral bonuses. So when you factor all that in together, which is why Capital One and Tesla and stuff, they push these programs so hard. Because they know every customer we can acquire through a referral is such a low cost per lead and cost per sale that it needs to be a core part in the business. And we need to like really focus on it because the, I mean, who's generating leads for $7 and 65 cents a lead? Like almost nobody, um, unless you use clicky, right? But like, <laughs> uh, it's like very difficult to do even TikTok ads. I mean, we're still on TikTok. We're paying like $10 a lead. So uh, for Marshall, I haven't spent a dollar on TikTok yet. Yeah, it's a great. It's like Facebook eight years ago or whatever when the ads were still like well priced. Yeah. So wow. um, that's kind of the results we're seeing. Um, it's cool. The cool part is, is like it's scale like completely trackable. In his dashboard, he can look at all of his promoters. He can see their referral links click into their promoter and see every referral that's been submitted and what the status is of that referral underneath that promoter. So it's just like giving you visibility that you've never had into your programs. And then you can go to our analytics tab and actually see which cities your links are being shared in, what platforms are driving the most traffic, who's driving the most traffic, who are my top promoters? And then you might be like, okay, well, who are my top promoters? And you go and find their posts, you find them on Instagram, you realize they're an in, like a micro-influencer. You never knew that before. And now you do because it's all digital and trackable. I like to call it like referrals on the blockchain. Like there's this ledger now 
the, on the customer on your customer's side, there's their side of the ledger. They can read it completely. And on your side. So on their side, they can see what the status is of that referral. Is it pending? Is it paid? It's another big pain point of these programs that we're offloading from the company is we're keeping the promoter informed of the status of that referral the entire time. So there's never this obscurity of, have I gotten my credit yet? Has this person signed up? Or feeling, a big part of it, feeling like they've been screwed out of a credit. We launched into a lawn care company, pretty big. They've got 16,000 customers. We launched in the company, multiple text messages when we launched saying, I referred three people to you, never saw a dime. And like, that's exactly why we built this program. Because we they didn't have a system before to do all this tracking and like provisioning. So we said, all right, submit them through the app and we'll make sure you get your credits and get paid. But our goal at Clicky is to never have that happen again. To where somebody refers somebody to your business and they never get compensated for it. Um, that should never happen. Because when that happens, how many pe how many future people do you think they're going to refer to your business? Probably zero because they just feel like they got screwed over. So that should never happen. And um, if it's digital and trackable, it should never happen. And how like so you're sending out text messages to people or how does how does how do, how how did they get it? I know you said you send out maybe it's a marketing campaign or whatever, maybe it's a text message campaign or something like that. But and then how often are they are you running those campaigns? Is it a weekly? Is it a monthly? Is it a quarterly thing? Yeah. So when we launch into a business, um, we have like a done for you plan, which is like what we do on your behalf. But some brands are big enough where they want to do the launch. Or it's big enough to where like they already have a SendGrid account or a Twilio account. They just want to do they want to do that part of it themselves because they want to own the messaging and everything. They have other initiatives and stuff too. But essentially, that's what we do. We launch into a business via email and SMS, inviting all their customers to to be a promoter. Um, people sign up literally with their first name and phone number. There's no passwords or anything to log in. It's all OTP. Very modern. Um, literally, you can sign up in three seconds. And then um, on an ongoing basis, that's where those trigger rules come in with the webhooks. We, we, like, you're probably going to sell new people from today forward. So we need to invite those people to be ambassadors for your business. So we loop into the trigger rules with the webhooks. Every time you add a new customer to field routes, we're going to trigger an automatic text message to go out, inviting them to be a promoter. Um, so that handles like any new sales on a go forward basis. Yeah. Man, like I think of like our door to door team and they're constantly adding a lot of new customers per day. Like what that could look like. Yeah. We, um, in the solar business, that's big. So what, what they do is, um, after they sell a new account at the door, you know, like face to face, they actually enroll the person right there with them. Like, Hey, I can, get, I can save you 10 bucks off your program if you become an ambassador. And they literally just, Enroll. I mean, they already have their phone number. They already have their name. Boom, boom. They opt them in. Now they're a promoter in your campaign. Um, and that's just like, what a great opportunity. Like, like they say that's the, the best time to make a sale is after you just made a sale. The second sale, right? So like, but the goal here is to turn that one customer into 10. Like, how do we turn that one sale we just made into 10 more? Well, it's giving them a link and having them take it to their HOA page and drop their link and now it's generating all their friends, family, and neighbors. Like 
I got to be honest, like we've had eight different pest control companies door knock our neighborhood, but if they could get access to our Facebook page, we have 300 neighbors all on that page. None of them are doing that. They're all doing the same play. (laughs) You do know how that we operate at pest control branch in Grand Rapids, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I haven't seen you guys hit our door yet, but like, um, they're they're all on the hoverboards going around, knocking on doors, which I don't knock the hustle because I used to do that for lawn care. I'm just saying, I'm like, 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 how could we, how could we infiltrate I, a little I, I bit love it. with a little bit more finesse than uh, yeah. waking up my baby, you know, while, during nap time, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not like, it's a great thing and you need to do it. Builds character and skill. You probably can't tell, but, but my wheels are just spinning right now. It's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would love to maybe don't like sign up tomorrow with turf badger, but like, a month from now would be perfect because a lot of the AI done. I've got like six or seven I'm building out right now. It's I'm here's the thing is I'm building them out. I'm launching them and I I'm the lead product. Like, so I do all of our design and product. Like for like a company like ourselves, we're, we're going to hit the ground running again in the spring, right? That's just how our business yeah. is. So if we could be up and ready to rock and roll by springtime, like I'm all in, let's do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I think like we're averaging like we're averaging like two thousand to three thousand downloads a month on this channel alone. Like if these people are smart, they're just gonna click the link in the bio and they're all gonna go sign up too. Like this is uh something that you guys need to get on right away. This is incredible. So hopefully you go sell your little heart out after this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just be ready for an influx. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a crazy thing, though. You know, it's like even with Lawnbot, the product that we had with Lawnbot month one was drastically different month nineteen. So, yeah, kind of a peek into our like my brain is like, how do we make this like an undeniably great product? And that is like talking to users and talking to companies. So like, that's like most of my time is talking to users and really understanding pain points around maybe why somebody would be a promoter, but they're not sharing because we have all that data, right? We know who the top people are. We know who the mids, the mids are, and then we know the people, the unactive people are. And I'm really, well, as a founder, I'm concerned with like, why would you sign up for the program? You have a link, but you're not sharing. Like, what are we not doing right? So it's like, pick up the phone and call them. Like, and that kind of tells me like, Maybe they're not happy with the service. That's almost a red flag, but call, you know, have your onboarding team call them and just kind of see what's been going on. You know, that's like a red flag. Like you should reach out to that person because they're probably going to cancel in a way. Or even it might be a technical thing. Like what we heard with feedback was like, I don't know what to say. All I have is a link. So you, you might have people out there that don't know what to say. Well, now with AI, what we're looking at now is generate, basically Turf Badger would be able to pre-select content for your promoters to share. Think of like pre-scripted Instagram images and Facebook cover photos. And maybe even you feed our AI with some images and we kick out more images. Basically a, a suggested content library to offer promoters within the app so that it actually gives them the tools to be successful. Because today we're just giving them a link, which the link is very effective. But like my goal is if... if my first goal is how do we get 100% of your, your customers to want to be promoters? Because today we get about 20 to 30%. Some people just don't care. And we're paying cash, by the way. Some people just don't care. Some people don't see the email, right? Some people are busy. 
And then of that 20 and 30%, how do we get that, that 30% engaged as hell to be just fanatical about your business and being like literal salespeople out there in the world for you? So it's like, and, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's like, how do we even, influencers are good, but like, I want Aunt Karen's 500 friends on Facebook because the people that she's friends with on Facebook with, like they know Karen like a thousand percent. So if Karen recommends a company, do any Karens recommend <laughs> Karen? Yeah, probably not Karen's. <laughs> Karen is like probably the wrong thing. <laughs> How about Sally? Sally, I haven't heard dumped on yet. Um, but like, how do we leverage those little micro networks, those 50 friends, those hundred friends, those HOA groups, the next door groups, like this is a link, right? So a really weird behavior we've seen is people actually changing their link in bio to their referral link, which is freaking phenomenal, which opens up a whole new product discussion around like, yeah, if a homeowner uses, uh, if a homeowner uses turf badger and they also use another power washing company, right. For their power, like, and they're a promoter for both companies. How does that all work together? Like is, so we're like, it's not a problem we have to face today, but it is a problem that we'll have to look into in the future if we're successful and things go in our favor, which I pray they do. But I think you're onto something, something for to, sure. Something to think about. <laughs> yeah. How did you, so when you met your wife or girlfriend at the time, was she an entrepreneur then too? Uh, she had, she definitely had tendencies. So she had worked at a business, um, doing the thing like doing lashes and then found herself like wanting to get extracurricular with it and like do it at home as well and then that just kind of shows you that she was very money motivated which is good and yeah you know, i think you need to be that as a capitalist and an entrepreneur so she always thought that she would like just rent a chair somewhere and kind of go small but I'm sure if you've listened to this show, like, you know, I don't think small. And I'm like, well, if you do that, that's fine. You're going to own your job, but then that's it. And I think that you have the potential to inspire more people to like do better and think bigger. And so, and by the way, when we go on vacation, you're not making money, things like that. Like you're not creating a business, you're owning your job. So we, we've, looked at it like that and we sat down we had some money obviously from the exit we we're like well what if we what if we go this path Mashalash, it's a w2 salon we own the whole experience for the customer from start to finish we own it um so she i think she's an entrepreneur at heart but she had to learn really quickly how to run a business at scale. And that is tough to do. You know, the Marshall Ash business, I think we're gonna do 600, 700 grand this year in revenue. And that's in basically two years, we've built it to that big. So that's almost unheard of in this industry, um, in the beauty industry to grow that fast, that quick. And then there's just some unique pressures that we have around, you know, turf badger, you probably don't have to worry about your technicians leaving and going to start their own company because there's just such a capital intensive cost to do so. In the beauty industry, our technicians can leave, go rent a chair for nothing or do it from home. 
and literally take our revenue with them. It's just a unique pressure that is not often seen in other service businesses. Um, you might have that a little bit with like a home service, but not at the scale in the beauty industry. It's just like, you know, we've had eight people leave our company and like go do that. And it's just a very unique pressure to have. Um, so it's tough. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's local business is hard. And we understand that. I, I'm glad that I'm glad that I still own one. So I understand and I, I can relate to those growing pains. But yeah, she's she's feeling it for sure. It's it, like we're in that we're in the messy middle. It's hard. It's hard, dude. We're having like we're doing well, but like you know, it's still hard. With uh with both of you being entrepreneurs and constantly thinking about work, uh does that affect the relationship at home? Are you guys good at separating it? No, we're not like good at separating it. Like we try to, for sure. Um it got better. So when we built Marshall Ash, I was in the Marshall Ash business quite a bit. Like I was in the Slack every day and like literally I was like the COO of the company. And when I really went all in on Clicky, I basically walked out overnight, which was really, really hard because I was doing, she had to learn a lot of skills basically overnight, plus run two locations and 13 team members and like literally. So it was really hard. It was really tough to go through. Um, but we came out stronger for it. We learned that like I'm more of an advisor and, uh, I guess investor at this point how do we strategize about growth and this and that but and then uh like there's a little bit of design that i still help with too Every, anytime she needs like design help i help her think through that and advise her on like what to do and how to do it so yeah i mean it's it's tough to separate it with clicky i think with the success of Lawnbot, she just knows that like, I don't want to sound like braggadocious or whatever, but like Tom Brady and LeBron know what to do with their respective footballs and basketballs. Like I know what to do with a computer. Like I know clicky will be successful. And I'm like, I don't want to boast, but I'm like, I'm really good at, at what I do in technology. And if I don't know how to do something, I know how to find the answer. Probably I would say fast, as fast as you need to, to be a, one of the greats in this field. So I, that's how I view myself. I think over time that will be revealed, but like, I think, um, she just, she just knows that I got, like, she saw the success before. So she knows that like, we've done it before. She saw me work in the late nights, like dude with Lawnbot, I was working till two or 3 AM consistently cranking away. Um, at the computer and it was like, it was just painful. And we're in that stage now with clicky where it's just painful. Like it just takes a lot of fucking work. And same thing with Masha Lash, like we're having success, but we're, it's painful. But five years from now, it's going to feel really good because you got to push through it. And it's just hard. Like if it was easy, right. It's kind of cliche. If it was easy, everybody would do it. The haters, it's tough with the hate. Like the Masha business is, is tough with haters because we, the, the amount of attention that we get with Masha Lash is a lot. We have over 800 reviews and we've only been in business two years. 
there's businesses that have been in business 10 years and they've only got 40, right? So when you go into a market and you just own the mind share in that local space, you're going to get haters. Oh, they do this and they do that. And like, they're a cult and blah, blah, blah. And all this bullshit. And yeah. So it's you just, hear it all the time too. We go in and yeah. new areas. I know you, I'm sure you do. They didn't expect us to show up. The next thing you know, we're cleaning house and they're all pissed off. Like, well, then go out there and do it yourself. You could have done it. You were here how many years before us? But you're mad at us because we came in and cleaned house. Like, that's not on us. Right. Well, they, they want their weekends off. And, and like, if, if you're not going to dominate the market, somebody else will. And maybe that's a takeaway for the show. Uh, like, with the referral products, somebody hasn't built it. Here comes Kendall out of nowhere. Like, referrals is not new. Like, it's been around for years and years. Word of mouth is the But to have a thing, system put like, in place for companies is, wasn't there. For and there's companies that have it in their software and it sucks and people don't use it because it's shit. And it's like not easy and modern. It needs to be easy and modern and your customers have to love it. And at the end of the day, you have to have somebody that's obsessed with like making the best product because like that's what fucking matters and ultimately wins. Like look at Airbnb, look at any of these great tech companies that are built like Stripe, like, like just people that cared more than anybody else about seeing it come to fruition rather than just being something on the, the freaking Jira board at one of these bigger companies, CRM companies, where it's like everybody else's job. Nobody's taking ownership and like really making the best product because they have different financial incentives. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy thing. Like even the lawn doctor business, when we went in, it went from 90 accounts to 2006 years. Like people hated me and hated, oh, Kendall's going to fail, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, look now, bitch. I mean, I mean, 1.5 million revenue that business is doing now. My brother's 23 years old. Like imagine where he's going to be 20 years from now. Yep. Who? I'm curious, who, who are you in high school? Like if you and I were best friends as a sophomore or junior in high school, who are you? Yeah, I, I played football, um, played baseball. So, so I, I did sports. I was like a super average student, but I think it's because I wasn't like involved with with the right content. Um, I thought Lawn Doctor would always be like a backup business for me, and I guess it was. Uh, my dad bought the business, so he never had to work for anybody like he did. You know, he he was a grocery manager at Meyer for 26 years and he always had to answer to somebody and you know he he want as a I think the best gift he ever got gave me was the ability to to flex that entrepreneurial muscle with a little bit of protection like I was young and didn't have a family and and responsibilities so I could go and like see what that was all about and just try things in the lawn doctor business. But yeah, in high school I played football. I was like kind of a, didn't have a lot of deep friends. I have like, even today I have like one really close friend and that's, we grew up together in the neighborhood and he's an investment banker on wall street. And he worked on some of the biggest, biggest deals you've probably even heard about with big brands, uh, fortune 500 brands. And we're still friends to this day. And uh, we talk often, but like, I don't have a lot of friends 
per se today. Like we don't do beers on the weekend and like, I see you've been working out a lot too. I'm trying to get there, but like, I'm just, I got to find, I'm going to start doing orange theory again, but like, I don't, I've always been that way though. I've always been, even in high school, I like was like, was a homebody, like staying at home. Didn't have a lot of friends like that. My, my sports buddies for sure. But like, yeah, I've just always been an analytical mind and pretty average student. I wish I could go back and redo school. And I, like, I probably would (laughs) have done a lot better because, um, yeah, school is a weird thing. I just, I think I might, I think I might just have skipped the whole school thing. Know what I know now and just went all in on business back in the day, like even through high school, like that's what I would have done. School wasn't my thing. The reason I was there for sports and girls, let's be honest. Like I, I was a good student, you know, BC student, but I didn't care. I didn't do homework. I've never even checked out a book out of the library before since I was in kindergarten, but now I read a book a week. So it's just strange how the world turns like that. Yeah. Looking back, it was like a huge, huge, huge blessing, right? It's like clearly those, there's like that saying where like the A students work for the B students and the B students work for the C students and the D students like take companies public or whatever. Um, Side note, like how, how long is, how long has Meyer been open? Like when did they first start? They, so like they competed with like Walmart and stuff back in the day. Um, More than 50, 60 years. I mean, they, because my uncle, he's from Grand Rapids. Uh, my uncle, Uncle Melvin, is in his eighties, but he's been working. He worked for Meyer for like fifty years, almost since the beginning. So I bet you my dad or my uncle and your dad know each other. I almost put money. Probably. On. I mean, they they got a lot of stores, and you know they bounce they bounce them around a lot. But yeah, there's a good chance that like they probably do. But yeah, it's uh. It's an interesting thing, you know, with my kids in school, uh, we just, our youngest just started preschool and like with everything in the world today, we were highly considering homeschooling, but we're kind of blessed in West Michigan with private schools here that are Christian. And it's like, you know, we toured some, some non-Christian schools and like, there's just, it's just so, it's like, I sat down with my wife and we're like, I'm pretty religious in terms of like spiritually, like I can see if I, as I look back, I see God's plan in my life and how everything played out, like happened just at the right time. Like, yeah, I went away to college and failed out of college, came back home, prodigal son, was addicted to Adderall pretty hard, um, ended up quitting cold turkey off of that. I'm talking like 300 milligrams a day, like everything. Right. And so went through that whole thing and I just, we, with my son, we looked at school and we just really looked at it and like in the world we are in today, like you have to be very intentional about filling the void and that void is like family and love and faith. These are all things that we grew up with as kids. Like my parents took me to church whether I wanted to go to or not. So I knew as a, a kid that like that was an important thing and I as I look back in my life I'm like faith has gotten me through 
it's what I've fallen back on. Even if I don't like per se go to church every Sunday, we do now because like <laughs> turns out you like need to go to church, uh, church to like get your kids into Christian school. But it ultimately like it, when you have kids and they're growing up, you're like, I want God in their life because I want, I want it to fill that void for them to fall back on. And if, if we don't fill the void, it's to be filled with TikTok and like certain flags hanging in classrooms where they shouldn't be public schools. So yeah, like we were like, I don't care what it costs. Like we're going to pay that to guarantee that they're going to be around things that we want them around. Not what some freaking indoctrinated uh, teacher in a public school wants them around. So that's we, that. we had all those same discussions like, in our house too. We don't have any great private schools. The schools today just aren't like what they were back when we went. And yeah, there was some pretty woke teachers back then too. But like, you also had like the good ones. But it just seems that it's just there's just such an agenda being portrayed and pushed in the world today that and I don't want to get like in that realm but like I want him learning about like the things that we want that void filled with and that's like God's hand well, every, in life every day and every day when my kids come home to school the first two questions I ask them is how is school and then I'll ask them what they learned because I want to know what's going on in their school, like what their what the teachers are teaching them for that reason alone. Like we have one private school here. Um, it's not very big, kind of small, not the greatest school. And it only goes up until eighth grade. So we decided, well, there's not other than online. That's, it was the only other choice we had. So they're still going to public school at the moment until if, if we when we move. And we have great public schools here in West Michigan, like some of the best. It's just we don't. Obviously goes by where you live and things like that. So maybe it would be different. I, I don't know. It's just, although even in the post, I don't, don't want to get into it too much, but like, yeah, it's just, it's hard. At the end of the day, it's, it's hard raising kids. It is, and being an entrepreneur and like having a successful marriage and having a healthy body. And like, it's just hard doing it all, dude. Like we, me and my wife talk about that all the time. It's like, there's just like, we're both pushing so hard. Like, having kids is its own company and making sure that all runs and then your household is running effectively. It's just, it's just, it's just hard, man. He got it. He got it. So I'm excited. We just got back from a trip in Miami. Like it was like a four day blowout and like just went freaking shopping, went to the inter Miami game. Like, um, it was so sick and such a good time. And we're going to Cabo, uh, not next weekend, but the weekend after for like our real honeymoon. Like when we started Lawnbot, we got, we, she, my wife was pregnant. Um, we went to GIE for our honeymoon, by the way, when it was called GIE Expo. <laughs> That's awesome. And we're like, she's pregnant, freshly married, like two days after we're setting up the booth for Lawnbox. I knew we had to be there. And like, obviously it paid big dividends, but like we never got a honeymoon. So like, we're kind of doing that now, four years later. And, Man, so everybody here that if on this pod that listens can relate, you know, we know we need to all get together and have a, maybe we will at the, at one of the user conferences coming up, have a beard, whatever. Maybe you don't drink, whatever. I, we don't need to have drinks to have fun either, but like, just take a breath. <laughs> it's a lot. I hear you. 
do you, are you much of a reader? Do you like to read books? Do you not like to read books? Like on, on the first business I was, I read a lot of books. Um, I listened to a lot of audio books. So I just got done with Elon's biography or autobiography. I don't know which one is one, but like the big one that was just written about, about him by Walter Isaacson. I heard it's phenomenal. I've not read it yet. I heard it's great. And it really just gives you an insight to like how he thinks and how he builds product and um, his master formula for how he builds product. He was like, step one, question the requirement. Like that is who, like he makes all of his engineers. If there's a requirement for a project, he makes them like bring the requirement when it was enacted, who wrote it, who brought it into legislation. Always question the requirements is like step one. And like, and you just don't, th you don't think about that when you're building a product, but we think about that at clicky now. It's like, why, why are all referral programs account credit based? Who made that determination? Where did that come from? Well, it doesn't actually cost me money. It actually does. It costs you product and labor and opportunity cost. So yeah, it might not be a hundred percent value, but like, we think there's a good trade off there, but just making a hundred percent liquid versus like dealing with this whole account credit thing. Like, is it really, and clearly a lot of people agree with us. Like we're not even fully launched. We've got like almost 50 companies on the platform now. Um, and like they're, they get it. They're like account credits are painful. Like, why do we do that? If cash makes people more incentivized to go post, it should be cash. We pay Google cash. Why, why not pay your customers cash? And once you say it like that, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right, dude. <laughs> so. Yep. I agree with you there. It's the same thing with like our door to door guys. It's like, well, why, why would we give our money to Google when you pay a sales guy to go do the same thing? Except for now, we're not paying for leads. We're paying for actual customers. Same thing. 100%. And there's a company called, a company called Quell Pest Control. They actually make all of their employees promoters, too. And you have never seen your, your employees be so fanatical about your brand until you're paying them per click and per referral for every customer that comes in through their link. So, which is really great from a branding perspective is all your team members being fanatical about your brand. Like, I'm sure they love working there and stuff, but like when, when their LinkedIn bios on Insta become your company's link, that shit's powerful. For sure. I agree. Uh, two, I got a couple questions for you. I know we're running a little bit longer than I than we anticipated, but it's going. It's, we could probably talk all day, right? We just that's how we operate. Um, what are what's two big pieces of advice that you can think of to help uh, some entrepreneurs that are maybe just starting out or going through a you know just the entrepreneurial journey? The, one of the things that I wrote down was mindset, right? And so my question to you then is like, did you always have this this mindset of thinking so big? Or was there something that happened? Maybe it was your first um, exit. Is that when you got uh, a bigger mindset? Have you always had that? This has been since you were a little kid. Uh, so I was just kind of trying to figure out who you were, like to bring us all together. Yeah, I think I think I think what it would boil down to is just even when I was younger in high school, people would ask questions. I'm like, just fucking Google it, bro. Like, look it up. Like, all the information in the world is out there now today, especially with AI. So that kind of was always was in me. So I would say a, a big piece of advice would be obsessed with acquiring knowledge. Um, you know, my CTO always tells me anything's possible with technology and that's the truth. Like 
fucking Elon sending rockets to Mars. They have, I don't know if you looked at Starlink lately, but it is like the sickest thing ever. And then soon they're going to have like the Tesla phone or maybe it's, they can be called the X phone. Who knows? But like, like literally anything's possible with technology. You start with that premise. You work backwards. Now you just need to go and acquire the right knowledge to acquire, uh, to, to accomplish whatever goal you have in mind. So back to mindset. Um, my, I guess my mom always injected it. My parents always injected that in me as a young kid. You can do anything you want to. You know, my mom thought I was going to be a professional like baseball player, and she always was like piping that into my brain. Maybe that subconsciously like stuck with me. But I think it really took off. Like something magical happened when I started listening to Grant Cardone's content, especially the 10x rule. Um, I know that's a very popular book. Probably many people have read like read it or listened to it. But it was like. With, with my brain and acquiring knowledge and hearing that book, it unlocked something like the permission to think big. And because in West Michigan, unless you're born into those families, you don't have somebody like that talking into your head and into your ears with that, with that data. You, in West Michigan, you have the data around you need to bring cans back because it's fucking 10 cents a can. Like we don't bring cans back in my house. We throw them fucking away and we live in Michigan at 10 cents, whatever. It's a waste of time. And I look at the poor dude that's like bringing this fucking big, and it's disgusting. Like you have to keep it in your house and all this shit tracks bugs and whatever. And 10 cents is ain't worth shit anymore with inflation. So like <laughs> go figure that one out. But, um, yeah, just the permission to think big and have the right data, to go and get the right data and information. I was brought up middle class. My parents took back can like so that permission to go get the right data of thinking big. And maybe it worked it's hard to say, but just getting the right data, always reaching up in relationships, finding people that are more successful than you are and that you would want to trade places with, never taking advice from people that um, that aren't where you want to be or have done the thing that you want to do. And I would say that's, that, that boils down to everything that I live my life by now is, and not surrounding yourself with losers. I mean, I think, yeah. Speaking of yourself, a grand Cardone or whatever, have you ever watched the undercover billionaire? Did you watch that? I've seen excerpts pop up. Um, like on yeah. his feed and stuff. If you search but on like, YouTube, it's cool. I've, I've definitely seen the content and I just never sat down and like watched the show. Yeah. It was like a rainy Sunday afternoon and I watched it. It was pretty good. He's a, he's just a, he's a different breed of animal for sure. Last question of the day. What are you most proud of? I mean, honestly, my kids like, um, totally. Completely. I, I, as a parent, that changes you. When you look at like even why humans exist, they exist to like procreate. And you know, we're we're raising them with the data set that I wasn't raised with. So like, just for a small like, you have these things you say to your kids, and I have the same thing for mine. You know, every night since my son was born, you know, I kiss him goodnight and say, "Hey, um, dream big." You can do anything. I love you. And let me say something in Russian because he's half Russian. Um, so just like literally, and now he can talk and stuff. And like, it's, 
programmed into him, that data point around he can do anything to dream big. Like, don't do small dreams. Like, do big dreams. Um, because Lonbot wouldn't have been possible if I was thinking small and just trying to, like, make sure I was taking care of myself. Or always questioning in the back of my mind, like, is there a better way to do it? Like, what can be done differently? How can we be better? If I was just happy with the success that we had at Lawn Doctor and getting the 2,000 customers, like, oh my God, it's great. I'm going to make 100K a year. And like, that's going to be awesome. You know, so that that definitely be what I'm most proud of is definitely my kids. Um, my marriage, obviously. Uh, and then third would be just the fact that... <laughs> It's it's a hard it's hard to make all that work to have like great kids, great marriage. It's it's hard sometimes, but at the end of the day, like I wouldn't trade the partner that I'm with. Um, and then also like having the ability to be 100% who I am 100% of the time is also something I'm super proud of. And yeah, I think that would be a good probably. Cool. Again, I uh, appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship over the years. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch your journey from afar, too. Like, I keep up with you, social media, text back here and there. Like, I love watching what you're doing. It's been a, it's been a fun to watch. So, uh, again, I appreciate you being here, taking the time with us, sharing your story. It's been fun. Same. I, I look forward to, in 10 years, when Turf Badger is national, and whatever happens with clickies, happening with clicky, and we can sit down and... Hell, yeah look back at this day and whether it, you know, it goes like we think it's going to go or it goes completely sideways. We can look back and say, man, look at, look at the journey. For sure. Well, we're going to have their link in your bio. We're going to have clicky in the bio. So just go down, check out, check out clicky, reach out to you. We'll have your socials in there for people to reach out to you. And uh, again, thanks for being here, man. All right. Yeah. Same here. See you.